Policing is far more complex than when I joined the police service over 30 years ago. The technology, we, we certainly didn't have public protection units, we certainly didn't have digital, digital forensic units, there was none of that. And of course, quite rightly, when I'm challenged about the budget, people would ask, well, where does your money go? Well, it goes into doing all of this stuff that we didn't used to do a long, long time ago. One of Jersey's great pools is that it's a safe place to live and work with low levels of crime. That said, there were still more than 3,000 recorded crimes last year, an average of eight a day. This shows that Jersey cannot take its safety for granted and is why its police force remains busy. The Jersey Police Authority's recently published annual report for 2021 reveals that youth crime rose by more than a third last year and mental health incidents increased by almost a fifth. The man in charge of the 335 uniformed and non-uniformed staff at police headquarters is Police Chief Robin Smith. He joins me now to talk about the past year, the present challenges and how he sees the force developing in the future. Robin, the police have recently produced your annual report for uh, for last year, which, which contains a, a wealth of information. I was just wondering, could you perhaps share what you see as some of the highlights of police activity um, in 21? Uh, thank you, Jules. And I, I, of course, can't take the credit for uh, what I think is a really good report that's written in such a way that I think it's engaging for those readers. It's not as I used to do all those years ago, 50 pages. And in fact, you only really read it if you're going for promotion or something similar. Mind you, journalists tended to read it too, a bit like you. Of course, the credit should go uh, entirely to the police authority, Jersey Police Authority, uh, in producing what I think is a really, really good report um, there are some challenges within policing, as we can discuss, but in terms of the report, I think it's a really good, engaging report. So, yes, let's focus on, on, on some of those challenges that you mentioned in the report. Um, one, of the, one of the factors that does come out is around juvenile crime, which you yourself in the forward say remains concern, an increase of, of, a, of more than a third uh, last year. Um, could you just give me some of the reasons behind this and also you know, how do you tackle juvenile crime which is in increasing well of course uh you know jersey is no different to other jurisdictions that i've worked in although it should be easier in my view to find good and sustainable solutions uh given the size of our jurisdiction not least of which of course partners work very closely together and there's the opportunity to do that but it is a challenge but there is also a question of balance and the balance of course is there are 18,000 young people in Jersey in a population of about 110, 107 or so. So, you know, we are talking about a tiny, tiny element. And it is important that we recognise that the vast, vast majority of our young people are just absolutely brilliant. Equally, we must recognise that um, the very small cohort of young people that, that do, police, do produce challenges, not just for policing, but for other services as well, you know, in almost every case, they've had a pretty tough start. Mm. And so you mentioned, Jules, about, you know, what can you do? Well, we talk a lot about children and, and, and challenges with children. And increasingly, I find myself talking more about families and parents and, and how we can support families and parents and guardians. Because I think that's where it starts. And it starts much, much further down the track before young people who are ordinarily... Uh, getting into trouble 
not just with the police, but um, at school and all the rest around about, so it starts around 10, as early as that. Mm. We have got currently a, a bit of a wicked problem with, with a very small group of young people, uh, and we certainly did have back in 2021. Uh, and often those young people uh, are, as we say, in care. And ordinarily, we shouldn't be surprised by that because mm. they're in care for a reason. You know, over the last year, we have, Sex Jersey Police, have trained all our staff in, in better understanding uh, how young people react the way they do, particularly those who have had very challenging upbringing. It's called ad ACEs, uh, Adverse Childhood Experiences, and all of my staff have got that training. I wish I'd had that training mm. when I first joined policing so that we can better understand. As the Chief of Police, uh, I, I, and I know I speak on behalf of, of my team here, the last thing we want to do is to arrest young people. That is the last thing we want to do. We do not want to put them into the criminal justice process. That is the last thing we want to do. What we do want to do is work with our colleagues, as indeed we do, in partnership in government and in charities to divert young people away from crime. The regrettable statistic, of course, is, is that it is just a very, very few young people that, that, that commit actually a, a, a really quite significant, mm -hmm. some might say enormous amount of crime. Their contribution to that crime is very high. Since coming to Jersey, I have ensured that what we, we look at, we, we distill figures down a lot into a lot more detail. So we look at repeat offending, not just for young people, but also for adults. We look at who are our top 10 and how we can better divert people away from crime by looking at the top 10. So we are working with government to look at better opportunities to divert young people. We are working with SIPES uh, very closely and we talk almost every day uh, with SIPES. And the best thing to do is to work, as it's almost a bit of a cliche to say we work in partnership, we need to work even more effectively together. Because my final point on this is, is uh, with someone who's been in the police service like me for 30 years, one thing I know is not the solution. The solution is not enforcement. Mm. It is not enforcement because it will keep coming again. It is definitely around diversion. And some of that will inevitably lead to a degree of control where we don't have control. How much of this is down to the epoch? How much of this is down specifically perhaps to the pandemic? Um, has that had an impact on that particular crime or, and indeed all levels of all, all sectors of crime? Well, crime, uh, pleasingly, in 21 was down and, and I, I was surprised by that. I mean, we're getting just over 3,000 crimes a year. It's a remarkably low level of crime, mm. which I'm delighted about, of course. But it's what islands, uh, islanders justifiably ex expect and, and ensure my, one of my jobs is to make sure we keep crime down low. Um, so, so crime is low. Uh, what, what I think we, we, we do need to do, though, is focus on those elements of crime that, uh, that we see where those increases are and where it is. And in this case, it's young people. As far as the pandemic is concerned, I, I, was, I wasn't surprised to see crime go down in 2020. Um, in fact, I remember saying playfully to uh, one or two ministers, uh, which, which uh, we saw crime go down by about 50% at one stage, uh, particularly around the sort of early start of the summer. Mm. Uh, and I said, uh, we'd closed all the pubs and clubs and I had uh, CID officers in uniform walking around supermarkets. 
And I said playfully to uh, a minister or two, um, which chief has ever achieved more? Um, exclusively because of the pandemic. However, we saw crime obviously go down, and you would expect that. But, but we also saw elements of crime go down that would cause us to question it. So, for example, issues around sexual offences, do they just don't get reported during, during mm. a pandemic-type environment? So we were very cautious about that. But crime went down. But I'd expected that. 2021, I, I was more surprised that crime had gone down again, given it's compared with the previous year. Or it was just about the same, to be fair. Now, now that was quite surprising. But crime has continued, and indeed, even into this year, we have got around about 100 fewer crimes than we did this time last year. So I'm really, really delighted with that. But I don't think necessarily COVID has had that much of an impact in terms of necessarily young people committing crime. Uh, there may be better minds than me that think otherwise, but my judgment is no. Moving back to uh, the repeat offending and also the juveniles, you mentioned about multi-agency working. Are things getting better? In uh, is is the, all the agencies that are involved, such as you've mentioned, CAMS, such as you've mentioned, Children's Service, are you working better together than you ever have done before? I think we try to work really hard because one thing that we we all agree on is we don't want young people getting into trouble. We want young people to live vibrant, very happy, very loving lives. We all agree on that. We may not sometimes agree on, on how to get there uh, because we see things from different ends of, of the telescope, if you like. That's not to say one end of the telescope is right and one of them is wrong. What I do do sense, though, and what I do know, indeed we had a workshop yesterday, just coincidentally, uh, uh, with the Safeguarding Partnership Board, um, we, we want to work together to provide better outcomes for young people. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. Another challenge which comes out of the report is um, officers dealing with more and more mental health incidents. Is there, again, is there constant training in that? That's something that obviously is an increasingly important, relevant part of your job. Well, you know, yes, uh, but I, I think what, um, what your readers and listeners uh, may be surprised at is, is I suppose depending on what you read and, and often you hear people do they not say well statistics say or research said um, somewhere along the line I recall reading maybe from the College of Policing that actually in terms of demand crime crime is really around about 15 or 20 percent of what policing does and that may surprise a lot of people um, we, we are sometimes described the police service as sort of the last resort uh, uh, we are working 24-7. We will pick up that telephone where others have not got the capacity, other departments may not have the capacity to do that. And what the police service does, and again, this jurisdiction is no different to anyone else, is it picks up those those people in need uh, when others may not be around. And one of those examples is mental health. Another one is, is uh, missing people. But mental health is a good example. So we are talking here about the the 2021 uh, annual report, but I can also report in 2022, so far this year, incidents of mental health being reported to, or mental health incidents being reported to the police is up almost 40%. That's quite a, that's a very surprising mm. figure given it was up, that's up on last year. So we are being contacted more and more um, for people who are in need of mental health support services 
uh, and some of those, uh, regrettably, are, are in crisis. Uh, and we will continue to respond to those. But I also talk uh, to people in health and the new head of, of mental health, uh, who, who I am really, really encouraged to work with, where we are looking to reduce those incidents. Uh, but of course, there are additional demand on policing. Mm. And it could be that, quite rightly, Islanders will say, well, why are you dealing with that when I'd rather you were dealing with crime and whatever? It has been forever thus. However, the the extent of the challenge and the demand is something that is causing... I'm not, I'm not caused by the concern. I just, just want to speak to how we can resolve it. Uh, and that includes trying to get more into a problem-solving type ethos Often with policing, it tends to be enforcement and then we leave. And as you've already heard, that doesn't actually solve mm. the problem, uh, particularly on the more wicked problems. So working again uh, with health colleagues to look at, you know, who are our, our regular callers and how can we help get them the services they need or indeed advise them that they don't necessarily need services, but they think they do. And of course, the police service is not a health service. Mm. Uh, and therefore you're you're unlikely to get the services that you need from the police service. So all of these things are always best when we are working together. It, it raises the point, it, are the police the best first responders when it comes to mental health incidents or, or could a, um, perhaps a hybrid model with mental health nurses accompanying police officers that I know they do elsewhere, could that be a solution? Well, we've, we've got partially that solution already, uh, thanks to the support of, of health colleagues. Um, but of course, as I often say, and I've said already this week for something else, of course you'd rather stop the call happening in the first place mm. rather than the need to respond to it. So the response is an element to, to possibly solving the problem, but the, the problem is the call is made in the first place and the person who may be vulnerable is in need, and it's, it's dealing with that end that I have put my focus in. We have a uh, community triage team, uh, where we, we uh, and health work together and if you like they triage calls they don't deploy out onto the street we have discussed about as happens in the other jurisdictions where a mental health nurse may be with a police officer the police officer will drive them too uh, and of course they are mental health professionals and, uh, and police officers are not and, and they are better able to assess and actually are far less risk averse I would say um, they're better able to assess and make those assessments and deal with it uh, on the street or in the home. That's, that's the best way forward, other than, of course, trying to get to the source of the problem rather than the symptom. Mm. We, we've, we've talked about mental health issues. We've talked about youth. Uh, we haven't touched yet on drugs and alcohol. And, of course, very recently, since the war in Ukraine, financial crime has been uh, an incredibly... Um, uh, relevant part of, uh, of of your job do you do you feel as though you're getting as a force being pulled in even more directions than you ever have been before and does that raise resourcing implications uh, that's a really good question Jules not least of which because as you know a couple of days ago it was our 70th birthday uh, so as you know States of Jersey Police uh, was formed in 1952 and we we delight in the fact that we share a birthday or an anniversary with Her Majesty the Queen. Uh, we're, we're probably over-egging that more than she would. Um, uh, however, uh, I, I got a copy of the uh, 1952 version of the annual report, 
And it was written in that usual lovely style, beautifully typed, no mistakes, nor the rest. And it talked about, or it said that uh, in, in, in the last 12 months, States of Jersey Police, or as then was the year before, the Paid Police, which is a great title, isn't mm. it? Um, uh, I'd received something like 2,700 calls. Uh, last year we had 28,700, you know, 10, 10 times more. And of course, the whole world, everybody's world, is far more complex than it was 70 years ago. Um, policing is far more complex than when I joined the police service over 30 years ago. The technology, we, we certainly didn't have public protection units, we certainly didn't have digital, digital forensic units, there was none of that. And of course, quite rightly, when I'm challenged about the budget, people would ask, well, where does your money go? Well, it goes into doing all of this stuff that we didn't used to do a long, long time ago. And I, I am hopeful and indeed very confident, certainly when I am asked those important questions around effectiveness and efficiency by Jersey Police Authority and its chair, uh, Dr Jason Lane, that I am able to illustrate that the money that I am given goes, goes to the right places to, as I've often said, uh, keep Islanders safe. Do we get, we do, the police service does get pulled into areas where I would suggest it shouldn't get pulled into. Um, and, and that's because there is an absence of something else. Uh, one thing under my leadership that, that uh, all of my fellow uh, partners, leaders in the island is, is we will always do things in collaboration. We will always have that honest conversations where we can say, well, this isn't working and how can we make it better? And we will continue to do that uh, for as long as I'm the chief. In terms of resourcing, um, is the police service still uh, an attractive career? Do people still want to come and join the police as you did 30 years ago? George, of course, it's the best job in the world. <laughs> I mean, you, you get, you know, as we, as I used to say, it's probably not what chief officers would say, you, you get to nick villains, <laughs> catch baddies. Um, I joined this job a long time ago and I, I love and enjoy this job more now than I did. Uh, back in the late 80s. I've always said our job is to catch criminals, get there quickly when you need us, and protect the vulnerable. Now, I've worked for some chiefs who have, who, who have been able to articulate that in about 50 words with beautiful, beautiful uh, graphs and various other things. The mission is clear. Add that to being visible, um, being accessible, uh, and and constantly trying to reassure where we need uh, the, of our presence but our presence in the right way similar to the way we we policed uh, the pandemic um, so it is the best job in the world uh, I'm using this opportunity to tell everyone out in the island you know we're always looking for really good talent and we've got it um, it is true to say and we're not unlike despite being the best job in the island of course we are not unlike uh, other employers um, who are constantly looking to ensure that we are succession planning, we've got the right skills, that we're bringing people up and through uh, the service or through the ranks. That is a, a, a constant, um, it's certainly not a concern, but it's a constant, as a chief, you want to make sure that you're, you're getting those resources in. It has become more of a challenge. Uh, and in particular, given that we saw an uplift uh, in 2020 of, of 30 or so officers, which went to uh, community policing and drugs, which we can talk about in a moment, of course. Um, we have a younger workforce and we have a more inexperienced workforce. And there's an inevitability to that. 
So I can have an officer retire with 30 or 35 years service tomorrow and I will replace her or him with someone with no service. So we do see a deficit in experience and that brings on other sorts of challenges. Uh, so that is a challenge. Transferees, uh, so transfers from um, the UK, have been uh, a way that we have previously sought to do that, to build up the, uh, the, the skills base, if you like, and the experience base. That is becoming harder and harder. And indeed, at the turn of the year, I had a transferee return back to England uh, and with the possibility of one more. Uh, and the simple reason is what you've heard and you may have already been reporting on is that it, that Jersey is an expensive place to live, uh, particularly in terms of accommodation, which is the point that's been cited to me. Which is no different to teachers, healthcare. You know, you, you fall into that that that, that same uh, dilemma. Uh, I, I'm glad you said that, Jules. Of course, we're no special case. Mm. Um, this is this is the same for everyone. Uh, so yes, we are having to look at that very very carefully. But in terms of the quality of the recruits that we have, and you would expect me to say this, you know, I, I we expect a very high standard and I expect a very high standard before you join the police service and I expect an even higher standard once you've joined the police service nobody would expect any less Um, I I genuinely believe that we have got a very very high standard that would be uh, higher in fact I would say even significantly higher than what I've seen in in other jurisdictions I, I, I imagine it may be an obvious thing to say but the aspiration is to have as many local recruits going up through the ranks, which presumably is, are, are cheaper to, to recruit, uh, presumably you know, is an advantage that they have that local knowledge and understanding, and also helps build, strengthen the rapport that you as a force have with the islanders you serve. Is that, is that, is that an obvious thing to say? You, you would love to see more locals come through the ranks and become chief officer one day? Oh gosh, you know what a what a legacy that would be. Um, have the vast vast majority of our recruits are are from uh, Jersey, which I'm pleased to say, uh, with a fraction being transferees for the reasons that I've uh, I've already described. There's almost an inevitability to that, mm. but I encourage particularly uh, from uh, recruiting from in the island, uh, and you will you will have noted uh, that until recently. Uh, I have not recruited anyone at any senior level. Uh, still haven't recruited anybody at a senior level, although we're looking at that now. Um, anybody, all the all the promotions have been internal promotions, bringing people up and through, and doing the appropriate succession planning. You know, we have a lot of ambitious people, and I am very keen to ensure that they get the opportunities to do different things, but also to go up and progress in the way that I've had the opportunity to do in my career. You mentioned previously just about some of the specifics that happened last year. One of them was the expansion of the community policing element and the other was the restoration of the drug squad. Could you just tell me a little bit about that and also perhaps talk about, on the latter, I imagine most islands would be surprised that we were we were without a drug squad prior to its reformation. Yes, um, of course, the drug squad and the community policing team get, get quite a lot of, of, of airtime, quite rightly too, uh, and I'll explain why. But, but as you know, we have a, a whole complex organisation that do lots and lots of great stuff, not least of which the five response teams that are out there day in and day out responding to emergency calls and, and the like who work incredibly hard. 
Um, as far as uh, the community policing team is, is concerned, uh, I am absolutely delighted, absolutely delighted with the work that they've done. Indeed, uh, the inspector who is in charge uh, of uh, the community policing team, Inspector Hugh Williams, presented to my senior leadership team uh, on Monday with progress. Uh, and I couldn't help but to just remark constantly the work that they do, a lot of which goes unseen and unrecorded. So quite rightly, you would expect me to have performance meetings where I look at crime detection, crime reduction, and how we do stuff. Of course, a lot of what they do is, is reduce demand in a sustainable way, which goes back to how do you properly problem solve. So they've all received problem solving type training. Rather than enforcing or patrolling, they're trying to find the core reasons uh, for the issue rather than dealing with the symptoms. Um, we maintain uh, uh, community officers on each of the parishes. I often speak to the Connetabs who, who all speak with um, real genuine uh, support and warmth about uh, the community policing officers. That's what I joined to do. I don't quite know which track I got on in the end, but that's what I joined to do, to work in our community. And I think even if you don't necessarily see the, the community police officer, the fact that you know there is one, or indeed in, in, in St Helia more than one, there's an identifiable face. You know who that is. You know how you can contact them. They're lively on issues of social media. They're putting themselves out there. That's what I think really, really matters. And I was just so delighted when, of course, the work had already been done, the support from... Uh, the late uh, Constable Norman, who was very, who was frankly evangelical about community policing, um, you know, it got delivered, and and there is no reason why that should not stay the same way. My final question, Robin, is um, you've mentioned that um, Jersey is a is a, a low crime jurisdiction. It's one of the reasons that people move to Jersey. It's one of the reasons that families return to Jersey. Um, Jersey has always been considered a safe place and many people are thankful for that. Jersey is is now very much a, a, an interconnected community. We're, we're a globally facing place. Is that something, Jersey, as a safe community, is that something that we can simply take for granted? Or do you think that we increasingly have to fight to retain that safety, that that? that place of, of, of low crime? Uh, uh, I'll answer that partially in a minute because you didn't get me to give you the opportunity to speak about the drug squad. All right, sorry. And it is linked. It is yeah, linked. Okay. So we can make my a, apologies. a nice link. Uh, you know, the drug squad. Uh, I, I have, over the last few years, uh, had a, heard a number of different titles for something called, uh, what do we call them, the... Um, uh, the, the, the support unit or various other things uh, and when I came here I said no it's the drug squad the public understand what the drug squad is the, the offenders know what the drug squad is they are the drug squad uh, and, and they have been as you've seen in the reports incredibly successful all I ask is is if you are either coming into this island or you are committing drugs related offences in this island when you get out of your car when you come out of your apartment, your flat, your house, look left and look right. That's what I want you to do. Look left and look right. 
Uh, and indeed, there was a, a really good job last night where I was, I was leaving the office about seven o'clock. One of the drug squad officers was bouncing up the stairs, just had a great job. So um, I, I, like the community policing team, are very uh, encouraged and delighted with the work they've done. But of course, they can't do that without the support of police staff and all the rest of the team to deliver what they do. So I couldn't leave without speaking no. about uh, the drug squad. So you talked about... Um, taking you know low crime levels for granted i don't i have often said that criminals are the most entrepreneurial bunch you know we we will talk about you know very wealthy individuals who can do this criminals are more entrepreneurial than anyone there's constantly seeking opportunities so am i so am i so we weren't sort of sitting back um, you know, smoking cigars whilst we were um, in lockdown, we knew that we would see an increase in crime, particularly around uh, drugs-related crime, how uh, uh, drug dealers would seek to come into the island. Of course, you know, th the standard of living is, is predominantly very high. Uh, there is a market. Of course, if there is a market, people will want to come and use it. Our job is to disrupt that market, which we do... Uh, very effectively in my view but of course low crime doesn't mean no crime and we did unusually during lockdown I appreciate that was an exceptional circumstance we had some days in Jersey where no crime was reported I mean that is quite astonishing um, we had a day last week because I have a report every day um, where we had for the whole day nine crimes but of course as we've already discussed Jules we were still very busy because we deal with things that aren't just crime-related. I, I think it's one of my key responsibilities, uh, but I'm not alone in that. Um, I, I think we have, I know, in the two and a half years I've been chief, uh, we, we have an island that is, that is observant, that is responsive, and I have said this before, and I don't, don't even want to sound you know, remotely cheesy, um, but but islanders are definitely our eyes and ears, and islanders tell us stuff, sometimes anonymously through Crime Stoppers. But they want to protect the island as much as I do, uh, and I'm enormously grateful for that. We of course also have what I think is is one of the richest relationships in the island, and that's how the States of Jersey Police work with our honorary police colleagues. I was a bit um, mindful of our 70th birthday a couple of days ago recognising that the honorary police are into their centuries. So I felt a bit, a bit of a tread a bit cautiously here until I bump into one of my honorary colleagues. They also do an utterly fantastic job. And, of course, the difference is they're not paid for it. You know, that, that is genuine volunteering. So working with them and with Islanders uh, and, and, and from a State of Jersey Police point of view, led by me, I am constantly vigilant to maintain what is a low crime but not a no crime island thanks to robin smith for talking with me today and thank you for listening to the bailiwick podcast you can find the podcast in all the usual pod places and don't forget to like and share the music at the beginning and the end of this podcast is i shift my weight by luno tune in next week for more <laughs>